Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. Located in the heart of Victoria, BC, we are a church that seeks to renew our community through the gospel. For more information, visit centralbaptistchurch.ca. This morning's sermon topic is on slothfulness, and we have some selected readings from Proverbs. So if you're just tuning in, you just woke up right now, yeah, slothfulness. Awkward. (laughs) So the first one is Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And then our last one comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Truly, this week speaks to the great hope we have of King Jesus riding in, of Good Friday, his death on the cross, and of course, of Easter Sunday, and all the troubles in the world, they all converge there at the cross and in the resurrection, and there we find hope, there we find the strength that we need, the guidance we need for life And uh, so I look forward to entering into this week together, even as we think of you, the Meller family, our hearts are with you, our prayers are with you, and of course others in our congregation uh, who are going through difficult difficult times uh, during this this difficult season of life (laughs) that we're all kind of in. Uh, So this week, let's enter into this week and the hope that we find there. And so today what I want to do is connect Palm Sunday, Jesus as King, riding into Jerusalem uh, with our series in the book of Proverbs, and you're going to see how it's going to connect. It'll come together all at the end. Uh, But if you are just joining us, we are doing a series through the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is all about making us wise, and we all need wisdom. To be a wise person, this is what we want. We want to be able to understand how life works, how it can work best for our lives, how we can honor God in everything that we do. And then conversely, on the flip side, we don't want to be foolish, To be foolish means you make decisions, you do things in your life which end up wrecking your life. So Proverbs is teaching us how to become wise. 
And interestingly, one of the biggest areas that this book of Proverbs deals with is the whole area of laziness, or we might call it slothfulness. Now, that's just a good word to say, isn't it? Slothfulness. You almost got to just drag it out as if it's lazily said, right? Slothfulness. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. When I think of slothfulness, my mind immediately thinks of Sid the Sloth. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's part of the, the Disney world of uh, movies, the Ice Age movies as a whole. I think there's like five of them or something like that. They did so well. Uh, if you can't tell, if you've never seen these movies, you can tell just by the picture, Sid the Sloth is the comic relief. As a sloth, though, Sid is lazy, he loves to relax, and he doesn't really get going on very many tasks. He's foolish, he makes endless mistakes, and just like Proverbs is going to teach us, if we are slothful, like Sid the sloth, we end up wrecking our own lives, and Sid the sloth gets his friends into all kinds of trouble. Now, because it's a Disney movie, everything tends to work out for Sid in the end, but that's not always the case in real life. And so Proverbs is going to teach us how we might have an inner sloth, an inner Sid the sloth, if you want to put it that way. And this sloth can ruin our lives if we don't kick him out. A sloth is a perfect animal to describe laziness, uh, to describe what Proverbs is going to describe say to us today, because of course, sloths love to relax. They just love to chill out. Uh, they don't engage in much activity. And when they do actually start doing something, they take forever to do it. They move very slowly, never finishing usually what they get to. That's the animal of the sloth. Another thing about a sloth is that they're able to hide themselves. And Proverbs is going to show us that even though you might be coming to this message saying, oh, the other messages, they're pretty good. I don't really know what this one has to do. I'm, I work hard. I'm busy. Proverbs is going to show us that there might be a hidden sloth within us. Makes me think of when we lived in Vancouver, we would take our young kids to the Vancouver Aquarium. If you've ever been there, there's this room. It's called, the, I think it's like a tropical room. It's this kind of giant room with trees all in it. And you walk on a little path through it, and there's a sloth that lives in there. And so when our kids were young, they would come running into that room. It was always the big thing, and they'd want to find the sloth. And so they'd run in, and they are just young at the time. And so they would point up into the trees, and they'd be like, oh, oh, there's the sloth. And, and we'd say, no, that's not a sloth. Keep looking. They pointed something else. Nope, that's not a sloth either. Keep looking. And then finally they would locate the sloth and the kids would just always yell, there's the sloth. And it was always like a crowd of people around so it was pretty obvious where the sloth actually was. Now here's the thing. Going into this message, I don't think any of us want to admit that we are lazy. I don't think any of us want to say, yes, I am slothful. But Proverbs wants to show us that there is often a hidden sloth in our lives. But it's very important that we begin, this is where we're going to begin, like I did with my kids, to say there are things that are not a sloth, things that we might accuse ourselves of or we might even accuse other people of that are not actually laziness or slothfulness. So we're going to talk about what's not a sloth, then we're going to talk about what is a sloth, and it's a lot deeper than you probably think, and then finally we're going to talk about how to kick the sloth out of your life. Quick side comment, once again, I want to mention to you, this whole book of Proverbs, it's for everybody, it's for no matter what age you are, no matter how wise you are, but it specifically is speaking to the young. 
Make sense? Because you want young people to learn wisdom right away so that they, their lives go well, they don't wreck their lives. And so if you are a teenager, if you are a young adult, this message is particularly for you. And the older you get, the more you will realize that something as small, you might think, as laziness or slothfulness can grow into something so large that it can literally destroy your life. And so learn wisdom today. Learn it while you are young so that your life can go well. Let's also make a deal with ourselves, shall we? Let's not be thinking of other people while we listen to this message. It's going to be almost impossible not to. Try not to focus on other people, particularly those who might be sitting with you right now watching this. Focus only on yourself, and maybe you can have some conversations with others later on. All right, so let's move into Palm Sunday, Jesus is King, and what in the world all this has to do with our inner sloth. So in part one of the message, let me point at a few things and say, like I said to my kids, that's not a sloth. That's not a sloth, okay? Really important we begin here. Author Jared Wilson gives us a, a little list of things that we might think are laziness, we might think are slothfulness, but they're actually not. And so I'm going to give his list and I'll add a few of my own as well. Here's the first one. Stillness is not slothfulness. Think of Jesus. Jesus lived a very busy, hectic, and often exhausting life. But Jesus would often get away from the crowds, from his work, just to be still, to pray, to seek his Father. We must follow Jesus, who is ultimate wisdom, in just finding times in life to be still. So there shouldn't be any false guilt. If you have done, completed your responsibilities in life, things are taken care of, there is nothing wrong with laying down on the couch and just relaxing and even watching some TV, assuming it's good things that you're watching. Nothing wrong with that. We don't want any false guilt to be in ourselves or to accuse others of slothfulness when it's not the case. So stillness is not slothfulness. Second, Sabbath is not slothfulness. Here's a really important point to make. Working seven days a week is not a sign of a wise person. Some people need to hear this. According to the Bible, workaholism is actually foolishness. And we know that already because if you're a workaholic and you never take a Sabbath, you never take a break, not only are you going to be stressed out all the time, but you're going to have less resources for relationships. You might have some mental health problems later as you go on. You can wreck your physical health through workaholism. And of course, as we've seen sadly so many times, your family can be destroyed through your workaholism. So God has created us to work more than we rest. But the biblical pattern is six days of work, one day of rest, at least a minimum of one day where you're just resting, recouping your strength and specifically, spending it also in worship on what we call the Lord's Day on Sunday, where we gather to worship him. Sabbath is not slothfulness. Third, recreation is not slothfulness. Part of God's good command to take a break, to rest, involves enjoying the good gifts that he's given us, enjoying the world that he has given us. And so there's nothing wrong with, you know, hobbies, going for a hike, uh, watching some sports, uh, painting a picture, enjoying a good meal, just having some fun. 
recreation can become slothfulness if it's what you live for, if you're neglecting really important responsibilities. But generally, on the whole, we should not feel guilty, if you were here for the Ecclesiastes series, we should not feel guilty to enjoy the world that God has given us and all the little pleasures he has filled our lives with, and we ought to give thanks to him and enjoy them as good gifts from his hand. Fourth, retirement from a job is not slothfulness. Sometimes this can be mistaken. Now, if you retire and you do nothing for 20 years, sure, that's slothfulness. But you don't have to get paid to do meaningful work. Volunteering, for instance, is still work just because you're not getting paid for it. And I, I just think of our own church here. We have some wonderful examples of retirees who use their lives to you know, bless their kids, their grandkids. They're working to help them. They're volunteering at various things. They're using the strength and the resources that they still have for the glory of God. We have some wonderful examples here of how retirement does not turn into slothfulness. And then finally, the inability to work is not slothfulness. There's a world of a difference between wanting to work and not being able to for any number of reasons and someone who just does not want to work but is able to. So that's me pointing at five areas. I think we needed to clear that ground right away, lest we accuse ourselves wrongly, lest we accuse somebody else wrongly of, of slothfulness. Like I said to my kids, I'm saying to you, of these five things right here, that's not a sloth. Don't identify it as a sloth. Now, let's turn to part two. This is the heart of the message. This is where we're going to spend most of our time. Here we will see how Proverbs points to numerous things in our lives and says, like I said to my kids, there's a sloth. There's the sloth. Okay, so this is going to identify it now. In one sense, I think we all understand what laziness is, what slothfulness is. We know it's not doing something, right? But we got to be more precise than that because laziness is not simply not doing something. Laziness or slothfulness is not doing something when you should be doing something. In other words, God has given us all responsibilities in our lives. We are responsible to do certain things. When we don't do the things that we should, we not only fail to honor God, but we also can easily wreck our own lives and we can wreck the lives of others. So how can you tell if there's an inner sloth in your life that needs to be kicked out. Well, here's a bunch of ways to identify if there is a sloth in your life. Here's the first one. Sloths don't take responsibility. Sloths don't take responsibility. Now, this, this is the most basic. This is the easiest one to identify. I think we can all understand laziness on this level. Let's just quickly unpack this, and then we're going to move on to some ones that I think are a little more deep, a little more uh, the ones that seem hidden to us. It start, it's going to reveal our hearts a bit more, all right? So let's start with the most basic, though. Listen to Proverbs 24. He says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, we could say a sloth, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, the vineyard was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw, and I considered it. I looked at all that's going on here, and I received instruction. That is, on how to be wise. He's learning from it. And what did he learn? 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So obviously what's going on here is there's a man who owns a vineyard, but he's neglecting it. The wall that should protect the vineyard, totally broken down. He hasn't been repairing it. Thorns have taken over. If you know your Bible story, you know that thorns should make you think of something going back in the story to what? Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God gives us, creates human beings. One of the things he makes us for is to work. God originally created work as something that you already know the good part of. It's when you feel satisfied at the end of a job well done. There's a sense of fulfillment. That's the original good. It wasn't supposed to be so difficult in the beginning, though. But because of human sin, God cursed the world. And part of that curse was that work would not only be fulfilling, but it would be hard. Thorns and thistles would grow. By the sweat of your brow, you'll have to work the earth now. So work is something we love and work is something that we hate at the same time because it's fulfilling. But man, life can be difficult at times. So thorns are an image of the curse, an image of how hard work is. And the image here is that poverty is like thorns that are constantly trying to creep up on your life, right? Like you, you don't look at your garden for a little while. It looked fine. You go away for a week. You come back. What happened? This is the picture. That to neglect your responsibilities in life, the thorns, the difficulties of life are always creeping up on you. They're always growing. And if you neglect your responsibilities, even for a little while, suddenly you will find the thorns have overgrown the vineyard of your life. So the application here is very simple. If you are lazy, you will ruin your life. That's as simple as that. Too much, you know, goofing off in high school, don't get good enough grades, maybe then you can limit your opportunities for a job later on. Too much traveling and having a lot of fun as a young adult might not get you the job that you should seek. Doesn't mean you can't have fun, but too much of it, and already when you are young, you begin to set a trajectory, you're walking a path that could then have huge consequences later on in life. So at a most basic level, if you want to become wise, you simply need to take responsibility for your life. Work hard in school, get a job, work hard at your job, manage your money, pay your bills, be responsible like an adult is supposed to be. So here's the most basic question in all of today's message as we consider some self-reflection. Am I facing problems because I have neglected important responsibilities in my life? So just look at the problems that are going on in your life. They might not be because of this, but just ask yourself, are these problems in my life because I was too lazy and I neglected certain responsibilities that I should have done? If you answer yes to that question, then like I said to my kids, there's the sloth. There's the sloth. So maybe that applies to some or many of you. But I'm guessing at this point, and I hope and I still got you in this message, you're still tracking because I think many people are saying, that's not me. I work my tail off. I am very busy. I am definitely not a lazy person at all. That's great if this isn't you so far. But Proverbs warns that there are many forms of slothfulness. As we said at the beginning, 
One of the big things about sloths is their ability to hide themselves. Translation, one of the great things about laziness is we can easily justify it through all kinds of ways of thinking. So listen to what Proverbs 26 says. It says, The sluggard, the slothful person, is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. In other words, we justify ourselves. No one wants to admit that they are lazy. None of us wants to admit it. And that is why Proverbs actually points out numerous other ways that laziness creeps into our life. It might not be the all-encompassing thing, though it might be for some of you on this first point that we've made. But there's lots of little ways that it can get in. And now Proverbs wants to show us these other ways and say to us, there's the sloth. Okay, so let's keep this going. Here then is the second sign that there is a sloth in your life. Sloths fail to start what needs to be done. Sloths fail to start what needs to be done. So look at Proverbs chapter 6 with me. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? And then it's a repetition, if you remember from chapter 24, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So notice in here, what's going on here is that someone's asking questions to the slothful person, to the sluggard, and and they're very annoyed, they're very frustrated with this person. And the same questions keep getting asked. First of all, how long? How long are you going to keep doing all these other things or relaxing before you finally get to start what you're supposed to be doing? How long? When? When are you actually going to get around to starting that thing that needs to be done? We've talked about it so many times. When are you going to get to that important responsibility? And of course, the implied response from the slothful person is, stop nagging me. I'm doing other things. I'm busy right now. I'll get to it when I get to it. Ah, right here now, we're pressing in a little bit deeper. We may all say, oh, I'm just so busy. I I am not a lazy person at all. Okay, we are indeed busy, but here's the big question. Are you busy in the right things? Are you busy in the right things? Laziness can show itself when we prioritize what we want to do rather than what we need to do. You can see laziness when you prioritize what you want to do. We all do whatever we want. That's easy enough. That's why we say, I'm very busy. Ah, but are we neglecting what we need to do? So we don't think we're lazy because we're all so busy. But meanwhile, if there's important responsibilities not getting done, then there's the sloth. So could it be then that all of our busyness sometimes just becomes an excuse for our slothfulness in neglecting the important responsibilities that we should be doing. So here's the question for self-reflection on this one. Now we're getting digging a little deeper. Do other people get frustrated because I don't prioritize my life enough to start doing what I should be doing? Do you find other people get frustrated with you and you're like, well, I'm really busy all the time. Yeah, but the question is, Are you prioritizing your life enough to start doing what you should be doing? If the answer is yes, 
then there's the sloth. The correction, according to Proverbs in this passage, is to go find an ant walking across your sidewalk and to study it. Here's what Proverbs says. Go to the ant. Go find an ant. Oh, sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Learn wisdom from this tiny little ant. Okay, what's the wisdom? Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her her food in harvest. Hmm. So an ant, then, is self-motivated. Doesn't need somebody constantly cracking the whip, saying when and how long until you get going. She doesn't need others to tell her to start working. And the ant, notice, is always fulfilling the most important responsibility, what needs to be done, which is, in the ant's case, storing up food for winter. Getting to it while it's still summer. Not, there's, you can't say to an ant, how long until you find, stop playing on your little ant playground. Stop going on your little ant vacations. You know, start storing up some food because winter's coming. No ant needs to be told that. The proverb says, go to the ant and learn some wisdom. All right, well, you can see that slothfulness in your, is in your life if you're the kind of person who has trouble starting what needs to be done in your life. That's a sign of slothfulness. But then Proverbs also says this, sloths fail to finish what they start. They have trouble starting what needs to be done, but another sign that there might be a sloth in your life is you start something, but you don't actually finish it. Now, as we said, as Proverbs said, Slothfulness always hides itself and justifies, and people always think, no, no, I'm not that. I'm, and, and so that's why they think they're wiser than seven other people. They make up all the excuses. They get all these reasons why they're not actually slothful. And so, interestingly, what the author of Proverbs does is to get around this huge block wall to get, to get into our hearts. The author uses humor. Humor. To try to get around our defenses. And actually, it's always sarcastic humor. So those of you who like sarcastic humor, a bunch of verses coming your way now. All right, so let's listen to Proverbs 19.24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Oh, it's so much work. So what's that saying? Okay, so this person went to all the work to prepare a meal, then sits down, and the picture is, puts the fork down into the meal, and then Oh, this is so exhausting. I don't think I'm actually going to bring it up to my mouth. It's too much work. And of course, that sarcastic humor is meant to say to people, you do all this work to start something, but then you don't finish it. It's like making a whole meal. And then you are too exhausted and you just have all these excuses on why you can't actually put the fork into your mouth. The same thing says, uh, says the same thing in Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. So exact same thing again. Goes to all the work for go on a three-day hunting trip to bring home a deer for the whole family. All this effort gets home and just says, uh, I don't think I'll actually roast it. You know, I won't actually cook it. So what was the point of all that? You started something, you did really well, but you kind of the most important part was finishing it. And you didn't actually finish it. So People who start things but don't finish them are like a hunter who goes to all this trouble to hunt and then doesn't actually cook what he catches. And of course, these two images are so ridiculous. We all know it's ridiculous. That's why it's sarcastic humor. But Proverbs is saying that is what we are like when we start things but we don't finish them. 
So here's the next question for self-reflection. Is my reputation that of a person who can be counted on to finish a task? When people give you a task, can they count on you, not just to start it, but to complete it? I mean, big picture, can you hold down a job? When you work your job, can you be trusted to complete the tasks that have been given to you? And again, this is such an important subject because you can see the two roads, the foolish road and the wise road, right? If you choose the foolish road and you can't be counted on to finish a task, it doesn't sound like it's the biggest thing in the world. Oh, but you just start doing that for a little while. You will make people very frustrated with you. And when people become frustrated with you, they don't trust you. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to give you tasks. You may not be able to get a better job. You might even get fired over something as small as not finishing a task. It's actually a big deal, Proverbs says. So if you can't be counted on to finish a task in your life, if that's you, then Proverbs says, there's the sloth. There's the inner sloth in your life. Here's the next one. We're going to keep this going a little longer. Proverbs just keeps going, so I'll keep going. Sloths make lame excuses. Here we go with some more sarcastic humor. You ready for it? Proverbs 26. The sluggard says, ah, there's a line in the road. There's a line in the street. Now, you're not from the Middle East. You might think, what is going on with this? Let me translate this for you into West Coast culture. Uh, Yeah, wondering if you could help me out with a job downtown uh, today. I know it's Saturday. You got the day off. Would you be able to help me out? Oh, no, I don't think I can. I don't think I can do that. Oh, Oh, I thought you had the day off. Uh, you know what? I'm a little, a little bit afraid there might be a grizzly bear down in the inner harbor. I think I'm just going to stay clear, all right? I mean, of course. Totally. Is there a grizzly bear roam in the inner harbor? Probably not. That would, again, sarcastic humor. It's totally ridiculous. You're supposed to sit there and say, seriously? That's your excuse for not being able to help out? Lame excuses, lame excuses. Now, just think of all the lame excuses that people make in life for not being able to fulfill the responsibilities that are theirs. Boy, the list could go on for a long time. You know, just some favorite ones I've heard over the years, you know, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't call in sick because my phone died. You didn't think there was another way you could have been in touch, like email or Someone else's phone? That's a pretty lame excuse. Or someone says, you know, I, I don't understand why I'm in trouble with Revenue Canada. How was I supposed to know that my taxes were due at the end of April? Well, <laughs> you're supposed to know that. And you're supposed to figure, just lame excuse after lame excuse. Obviously, the classic is the dog ate the homework and all these kind of excuses that get made as we can't do things. Again, the whole reason, though, listen, if this is starting to hit a little hard, the whole reason that Proverbs is bringing this up is because God wants you to take the path of wisdom. He wants your life to work out well. And so many of us walk the foolish path, and the foolish path is the lazy path, the slothful path. And if you walk that path, Boy, things are going to go bad for you. You'll end up wrecking your life. And lame excuses are one of the great signs of laziness and slothfulness. I remember watching this talk show once, and a whole group of people came on the show to confront this one woman. I can't even imagine being in these kind of situations. They come on the show to confront this woman because she is late for things all the time. 
Husbands, don't, don't nudge your wife right now. That's just a quick tip for you. Listen to the story. So they're confronting this woman. She's late all the time, and, and they're trying to say to her, this is just unacceptable. It's causing so many problems in our life, and she's not really listening to it at all because late people always have an excuse for why they're late. There's always an excuse. But of course, people get a little sick of hearing excuses after a while. And so this woman is who is being confronted. She's just making all of these excuses. And finally, the talk show host just cuts her off and says to her, do you know what your actual problem is? And she says, no, what? He says, you're arrogant. She's like, I'm not arrogant. And he says, yes, you are. Because you think everyone else's schedules should revolve around yours. You think the whole world should wait for you, that you're the center of the universe. Wow, that hit hard. See, this is the thing about wisdom. There's no Bible verse that says how you should be on time or how to be punctual, and that actually even differs culture to culture. Wisdom, though, is knowing how life works best even when there is no Bible verse. And obviously in our culture, something like punctuality, you can be late once in a while. People will give you grace. Everyone understands when there's a reason why you can't make it to something or there was a true legitimate excuse. Everyone gives grace for that. But people will only put up with lame excuses for so long. And I think we all know even on that one topic, if you're perpetually late for something and you're always making lame excuses, you lose trust with people, you start to burn bridges, and you may actually end up getting fired. That's how serious something as small as that can become. So then the question for us becomes this. Do I make a lot of excuses in my life? Do you find yourself making a lot of excuses? If you do, then Proverbs is saying that's a symptom. And underneath it is a sloth. A sloth that's too lazy to actually get your life in order to fulfill the responsibilities that you've been called to make. There's the sloth. I told you this was going to go deeper than we thought, didn't I? Who's squirming? A little bit? Let's do two more just for fun, shall we? Fifth, sloths procrastinate. This is getting fun. Proverbs 14, here's what it says. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. In other words, here's a person who talks a lot about working and doing all kinds of projects and jobs and fulfilling, always talking, always coming up with a plan, but doesn't actually get to doing the job. And so because they don't actually get to going to doing the job, their life begins to fall apart. And boy, could we go on for some time about this. I think we all know it. Procrastination, again, doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But boy, can that ruin your life if you fail to turn in things on time, get jobs done on time, whatever it may be. Procrastination can literally ruin your life. And Proverbs is saying, I don't want this, the whole book is saying, I don't want this to happen to you. Learn wisdom. Learn it while you're young. Don't be a procrastinator. Take responsibility. Kick the sloth out of your life. So here's the question for self-reflection. Pretty obvious. Is procrastination a mark of my life? If so, procrastination, like excuses, is a symptom, and underneath it is a sloth. Here's the last one. Then we'll be done. I'll, I'll stop eventually, all right? Here's the last one. 
sloths relax too much. Relax too much. Again, Proverbs uses sarcastic humor to try and wake us up to this problem. Here's chapter 26, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. In other words, it's quite a picture. A lazy person is pictured as being attached to their bed like a door is attached to its hinges. And do lazy people actually get up and move around? Oh, they move, but they only move to roll over in bed is the the kind of silly picture here. Like a door moves only to open and to close, but a door doesn't actually go anywhere or do anything. So also a lazy person only moves like a door on its hinges, like a person on their bed turning over. In other words, the picture here is relaxation has totally taken over life. Now this has become a major problem in the workforce People, of course, get sidetracked by all kinds of diversions. So kind of humorously, as one guy said on a TV show, in an average week, I'd say I only do about 20 minutes of real, actual work. Why? Well, more seriously, because people are constantly checking social media, playing games on their phones, calling in sick when they're not. Do you remember when Angry Birds came out, the the game on Angry Birds? Getting a little bit older now. They actually did a study on the cost of that game to businesses, and the study projected that $1.5 billion was lost because of people playing Angry Birds at work. So someone wrote about this, so they said, uh, at least 15 people I work with are playing Angry Birds continuously while they talk to customers seven hours a day. So it is slothfulness that just wants to relax that avoids working hard or volunteering extra hours, just wants to relax all the time. So here's two questions of self-reflection. Is this starting to hit deep yet? Oh boy, okay, we're almost done. Stay with it. When people are asking for help, do I try to keep a low profile to avoid being asked? Trying to avoid getting, having to do too much because you just want to relax? Here's a big one. Would I be embarrassed or fired if my employer knew how much work time I spend doing non-work things like scrolling social media, chatting with friends, or just wasting time? I started off saying that most of us would probably think, oh, he's talking about laziness today. That's not me. This is not a sermon for me. I work hard. I'm really busy. How are we feeling now? Has Proverbs not just kind of went deeper and deeper and deeper, showing us these six ways to spot a sloth in our lives? Six ways. And remember, this is supposed to be for our good. The whole book of Proverbs says we want you to become wise. The path of wisdom. We don't want you to wreck your life, especially when you're young. And there's so many ways. If you take the path of foolishness, you will destroy your life. And it just gave us six ways that if you, I mean, even if you do three of those six, can you see the consequences that could come your way? And so Proverbs is saying, no, identify that sloth in your life. You've got to kick that sloth out of your life. You cannot do this. This is not the path of wisdom. For your own good, the whole book of Proverbs is saying, please pay attention and learn wisdom on this topic. 
So then that brings us now to the big question. If you did find a sloth in your life as we went through of all that, then let's come to the third and the final point, which is this. How to kick the sloth out of your life. How to kick the sloth out of your life. First of all, identify where there is a sloth in your life. Be specific. Was it one of those things? Uh, maybe, we, maybe there's too much content there. Listen, the manuscript, the PDF of this sermon will be up on our website tomorrow. Maybe you need to go download it, kind of go over some of those reflection questions again. Just allow the Spirit of God to speak to you and just say, Lord, where is this maybe in my life? You want to identify it specifically. Because it probably wasn't all of them. Probably lots of them you're like, yep, fine, check. But was there something in there? Second of all, repent of your slothfulness. If you are grieved in your heart over how much you failed to do certain tasks that God has called you to do, then you're actually in the right place. If you're feeling grieved and heavy about it, because God is being gracious to you and revealing it to you because he wants to change. He wants to take you off the path of foolishness onto the path of wisdom. He wants your life to go better. So come before him and say, Father, forgive me that I've not fulfilled certain responsibilities, not lived up to the things you've called me to do. Confess your sins to him. Receive the grace that comes from Christ. And here's the final thing for the message now. Let Christ's work for you kick the sloth out of your life. Look at Christ's work. Look at him working. And when you see him working, it will kick the sloth out of your life. Here's what I mean by that. Remember that because of our sin, God cursed the ground so that it would produce thorns and thistles. Remember, work becomes toil. It becomes difficult. We have to sweat in order to eat. And of course, this great curse because of our sin brings death upon us. But what's the big story of the Bible? The big story of the Bible is God sent his son into the world. Why did he send his son into the world? To do a job. He gave him a job to do, work to accomplish. And what was his job? Through his life, death, and resurrection, he came to reverse the curse. To reverse the curse. To abolish it and make whatever was bad in it, to reverse it into something great. Let's retell this story to ourselves. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper here on Palm Sunday. Jesus, as the great king of all glory, had every right to just sit up in heaven and to relax for all of eternity. Every right to do that. But his father said, son, I have a job for you to do. I have something I want to talk with you about. And the triune God in eternity past made a plan. The son's work within all of this was to accomplish what the father asked him to do. And the son said, I have come to do your will, O God. I will do whatever the father asked me to do. So the son gave up his right to relax, to, to enjoy, to be the king of glory forever, to receive all the worship of heaven. He gave up that right and as Philippians 2 says, he took the form of a servant, of a slave. The eternal son of God, the king of glory, stepped off his throne, so to speak, and became a man. And he did not come, as we've already said in this service, to be a king who just kind of sat there and had people feed him grapes and to give orders. That's not the kind of king he is. He did not come to be served, but to serve. This is the kind of king Jesus is. Look at what the king of glory does. Look at Christ as he pours out his life serving others. 
Look at Christ as he's so exhausted from working on behalf of others that one night he's so tired he falls asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm he's so tired. Look at Christ fulfilling the ultimate responsibility that the Father sent him to do, which was to give his very life on that Roman cross. Oh, behold him. Behold his effort, the effort in trying to carry the crossbeam and falling under its crushing load. Behold Christ toiling up the hill of Golgotha. Behold Christ fulfilling what he was called to do, taking the crushing work of bearing our curse in his body on the tree. For why did the king of glory come? Why did he come into this world? What was the work that he came to do? To give his life. And what was the king doing when he was giving his life? He was becoming a curse for us so that we could be freed from the curse of sin and death. He bore in his body our sins on that tree so that we could have the sin, the curse of sin removed from us, so that the curse of death could be removed from us, so that we could be given eternal life as we celebrate on Easter Sunday through the resurrected Lord, and he would bring us into a new heavens and a new earth. And one of the greatest descriptions of this new heavens and this new earth in Revelation chapter 22 is these simple words where it says, there is no more curse. Jesus came to do a job And his job was to give his life in order to reverse the curse, to take it away from us, to bear it in himself, and to bring us into a future world where there is no more curse. So that's why we say, oh, we just reflect on him and we say, praise the one who did not make any lame excuses, but rather took up the task that he was appointed to do. Oh, praise the one who did not quit what he started, but carried it all the way to completion, all the way to the end, and cried out in his last breath, it is finished. Oh, praise the one who took the sin, uh, took our curse of death upon himself, that we might be given eternal life. Praise the one who had a crown of thorns, pressed into his head, symbolically there taking the curse upon himself in order that he might bring us into a world where there are no more thorns, there are no more thistles, because there is no more curse. That's why we sing joy to the world. That's why we sing those famous lyrics in that song. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Why is there no more thorns, no more curse? Because he comes to make his blessings flow. How far? As far as the curse is found. So do you see then how Christ's work kicks the sloth out of your life? You you making the connections? Because just think this through with me. Underneath slothfulness is selfishness, self-centeredness. We just want to relax. We just want everyone else to serve us everything to be done for us. We don't want to take up the hard work of doing what we are called to do. So how do you replace a self-centered heart with a heart that loves others, serves, pours yourself out for others? Oh, as I said, let Christ's work kick the sloth out. Because when you're feeling that way, think of Christ, the King of glory, who steps off his throne. Why does he do it? For you. 
He looks out for your best interests above his own interests. He puts you ahead of himself, and he does the work on your behalf that you might benefit. When that message gets into your heart deep, it melts your heart. You say, Jesus, thank you that you would do this for me. Now help me to consider my life for others, to serve others, to fulfill the responsibilities that you have given me in life. You want to please God. You want to please Christ. This is why the Apostle Paul writes these words in Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily, work with your whole heart, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You see, this is what makes us as Christians different than anyone else. We don't work hard just so that our earthly bosses can say good job to us because we're, we're serving something higher. We're serving Christ himself. That is why Christians, by the help of God, ought to be the best employees in all of society. That is why Christians, by the grace of God, ought to be the greatest employers in all of society. That is why Christians, by the help of God, should be the most responsible and trustworthy people in our entire society. People who, when they say they're going to do something, do it and bless other people. That is why Christians, by the grace and help of God, should be the most servant-oriented people there are. For we see Christ serving us, the King of glory, serving us. And so we want to give everything then to serve others. So what will drive the sloth out of your heart is seeing all the work that Christ did for you. The king of glory who entered into Jerusalem to do this work for you. Meditate on that work. Let it go deep and kick the sloth out of your life in order that you might work as one with your whole heart to the Lord for his glory and for the good of others. This is the path of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, forgive us where we have not fulfilled the responsibilities that you have given to us. Forgive us when we have been lazy. We reap the consequences of it, and yet we often make excuses and justify ourselves. But forgive us, Father. Today, we say we want to be changed. We want to be like Christ, pouring out our lives for others, fulfilling whatever it is that you have called us to do, each of us with our own unique lives, our unique responsibilities. So, Father, enable us to work as unto the Lord, pleasing you in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. <laughs>